Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Your Community Spirit on your community radio, 91.1 FM, community radio for Southern Illinois. My name is Tree Song. I'll be your host today. Or is off on one of his adventures. I, I don't think he's even going to get the chance to call in, but uh, we will keep carrying on without him. And I'm sure we'll hear what sort of good solar business he's been up to lately once he returns. In the meantime, we have all sorts of eco-social news and happenings. Some good, some not so good. <laughs> but we'll get through it together. All right, let's get to this first story. Last chance to limit global warming to safe levels, UN scientists warn. The next three years provide the last chance to limit global warming to safe limits in this century, the United Nations said, as it geared up for a conference in Morocco intended to carry forward the the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. Unless nations move forward before 2020 to cut their emissions more aggressively than they have promised, The window of opportunity will close, and the job that lies ahead will become more costly, the agency said. Now, this is something we've discussed earlier. There's sort of at least two layers to this. There's one that there's still a question of whether or not any of the nations will actually meet their pledges. (laughs) So they've made all these non-binding pledges to uh, decrease their emissions. But then even if they meet every single pledge, there's still a gap between that and a a, a habitable planet, really, a, a planet below two degrees of warming. The annual emissions gap report compares the goals of the treaty to the pledges of the signatories. In it, the United Nations Environment Program warned that unless reductions in carbon pollution from the energy sector are reduced swiftly and steeply, it will be nearly impossible to keep warming below two degrees, let alone the 1.5 degree aspiration. Now, there's an interesting book that I actually discussed on the air a while ago, a few months ago, that I believe is just called Six Degrees by Mark Linus. And it explores what happens at each of the degrees of warming. And two is a really major one. It's at two degrees Celsius, there's a possibility that all of these feedback loops will kick in and we will just progressively get warmer and warmer up to six. So each year's gap report produced by expert scientists using the latest data available makes clearer than ever that the treaty commitments undertaken so far fall short of what is needed to keep warming below the UN's targets. Now the treaty has been celebrated because it is a official agreement to do some form of reductions, but there is this annual emissions gap uh, for the gap between what they're pledging versus what will actually make enough of a difference. The 2016 assessment is especially significant for three reasons. It's being published just as the treaty enters into force, as countries are starting to plan their next steps. It's the first assessment to calculate the emissions that will occur under all of the pledges made last year. And it's the first to hold these pledges up not only to the long-standing 2-degree goal, but also to the new 1.5-degree goal that was a central accomplishment of the Paris meeting last December. So that is definitely one we will continue to follow. The current news is that we are 
clearly still having a large emissions gap and that if we don't do something about it in the next few years, we're just going to hit two degrees Celsius of warming. In other news, solar companies are suing over Florida's deceptive solar initiative. A controversial amendment in Florida might get thrown out before the votes are even counted. After months of arguing, both in court and to the public, that Amendment 1 is uh, deliberately misleading, two pro-solar groups in Florida are filing to have the state Supreme Court reconsider the amendment's language and have the Secretary of State embargo the results of the vote until the court makes a decision, representatives said on Wednesday. Now this is one, I believe we've discussed this in the past. They, well, here's another quote from it. According to the lawyer from the Florida Solar Energy Industries Association, FLA-SEIA, and Floridians for Solar Choice, a consumer group, the move comes after, quote, proof of the deception and potential misconduct was revealed last month. The proof was found in comments by a vice president at the conservative James Madison Institute during a September address uncovered last month by the Center for Media and Democracy and the Energy Policy Institute. Sal Nuzzo told fellow conservative policy wonks that solar's popularity could be used in favor of the utilities. And here's, here's the quote. The point I would make, maybe the takeaway, is as you guys look at policy in your state or constitutional ballot initiatives in your state, Remember this, solar polls very well, Nuzo told a crowd of conservative state policy wonks. He referred to it as, quote, political jujitsu that the groups can use, quote, to our benefit either in policy and legislation or in constitutional referendums. So the basic idea is, um, it's kind of ironic, they're admitting that there is, um, you know, widespread popularity of solar initiatives, and that's not what they want. So they have chosen to craft something that seems like a pro-solar initiative, that even if you're presented with the petition, you take a glance at it and you think, oh, this is a solar initiative. I guess I'll go ahead and sign this. Uh, But then you find out that it's actually intended to to stymie the solar industry. So Nuzo's description fell in line with exactly what the Florida solar groups argued to the state Supreme Court in the spring, that utility interests were deliberately deliberately obfuscating the purpose of the amendment, which would change the state's constitution, making it look like a pro-solar measure. By a 4-3 margin in March, the court ruled the ballot language could go on to the voters, even while a dissenting judge called it, quote, affirmatively misleading. That means the solar group only needs one justice to reverse the opinion, and they're hoping Nuzo's comments tip the balance. So this is an issue that the courts have addressed, but this new, quote, now that they've got this new information from behind the scenes of the crafting of this bill, it may be enough evidence to indicate intents to defraud the voters. And it's it's ironic that, you know, the sunshine state, they're having such a strong effort against solar. This would be 
uh, it's going to be a big decision either way whether or not the solar industry can advance in Florida because there's a lot of solar to be had in Florida that currently is not because of the unfavorable regulatory environment. That music was from the world's greatest sci-fi album. <laughs> we have that as sort of an interlude music, but I could just I could just sit there and listen to the album. It's a fun album. So here's our next story. Years of Living Dangerously returns to television on Sunday. Now this is a slightly outdated article. It was this past Sunday that it returned to television. And they have actually accelerated the scheduling of the show slightly because they want to fit in two episodes prior to the election. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember if they explicitly came out and said that, but it's pretty clear that's why they're arranging the scheduling in this way. And it's a show about global warming. And it's the it was an award-winning show back in the first season, 2014, and now they took a year off, and in 2016, the show is returning. I have watched the first episode. I really appreciated it. A lot of it discussed information that since I'm always reading climate-related stories, it was not entirely new to me. But the style of presentation is very important because people aren't usually sitting around reading climate articles all day. They tune in, they see David Letterman going on a tour of India, they see Cicely Strong uh, interviewing people, and it adds, this, it adds this personal dimension, it adds this drama to it. It's sort of like watching a dramatic TV series like you might see on Showtime, which is where it originally premiered. It's, it's like watching a dramatic TV series, but it's about a real issue, specifically global warming. So this year sees the implementation of the world's first agreement to combat climate change. An inadequate but major milestone, the Paris Agreement was driven in part by President Barack Obama's willingness to take some initial action to confront this looming threat to our planet. Yet the topic of climate change hardly came up in the year's presidential debates. Fortunately, voters, or at least those with access to the National Geographic Channel, will have the opportunity to see an in-depth, prime-time discussion of the issue when Years of Living Dangerously returns to television uh, this weekend, which actually happened uh, last weekend. And it is available through other sources as well. If you didn't see it live on National Geographic Channel, you can go to other, other, your, your other sites where you usually watch television, and it's on half a dozen different sites. So the, the series which aired its Emmy Award-winning first season on Showtime in 2014 features celebrity hosts going where the commissions on presidential debates apparently fear to tread, exploring the steps we need to take to keep our planet's climate in balance and the reasons why making progress has been difficult so far. That brings to mind another interesting aspect of the series is that it explores both the climate crisis and the climate solutions. It sort of explores the interplay between the two. And it does so in a really interesting and and really informative way because they 
you know, David Letterman is going to India to talk to various people about the the state of energy in that country. And they also, in the process, also bring the attention back to a degree to the U.S. to see what the U.S. is doing. So we realize that it's all interconnected. If we want to help one country find solutions, we have to work together with other countries. So, yeah, once again, that's called Years of Living Dangerously. I I definitely enjoyed it. And if anyone wants to watch it with me, they're more, <laughs> more than welcome to. Um, it's also National Geographic Channel and other TV venues online. We will try to do updates about that for those who do not tune in because it's the only show I'm aware of on on television at all that is dealing specifically and entirely with the climate crisis. We will keep you posted. Dramatic sci-fi music is particularly appropriate for our next story. Tesla boss Elon Musk unveils solar roof tiles. The Tesla chief executive, Elon Musk, has unveiled new energy products aimed at illustrating the benefit of combining his firm, which makes electric cars and batteries, with solar installer SolarCity. The billionaire entrepreneur showed off solar roof tiles that eliminate the need for traditional panels and a longer-lasting home battery which Tesla calls the Powerwall, aimed at realizing his vision of selling a fossil fuel-free lifestyle to consumers. Here's a quote. This is sort of the integrated future, an electric car, a Powerwall, and a solar roof. The key is it needs to be beautiful, affordable, and seamlessly integrated, Musk said, while showcasing the products on homes once used as the set for the U.S. TV drama Desperate Housewives in Los Angeles. Musk is the biggest shareholder in both Tesla and SolarCity, which is run by two of his cousins. Analysts have questioned the deal's proposed synergies, which some suggest that is a way for Tesla to rescue SolarCity. The rollout of the product, expected as soon as next summer, would be unwieldy if the two companies were not combined, Musk said. So by incorporating solar modules into rooftops, Tesla is hoping to succeed with a solar technology that to date has had little success, Just this year, Dow Chemical said it would stop selling a solar tile it launched five years ago. So, so far, actually installing, it's funny to use the word traditional because they're still seen as not traditional by a lot of people, but traditional solar modules, as we've just installed here on WDBX, um, you know, that's usually the way people go, and these efforts to do solar roofs, solar shingles, have not really made much of an impact into the market yet. But just like he did with electric cars, his plan is apparently to start high-end and work his way down because he has these fancy terracotta solar shingles and uh, granite solar shingles. And because he's aiming for a high-end audience, the cost is going to be supposedly, allegedly, 
competitive with other forms of roofing. The idea is that you pay for your this new solar roof and that the cost of it will be the equivalent of roof plus electricity. We'll see if he actually pulls that off, if the uh, final product is able to achieve that. But that's the thinking. Now, one thing, as I was, I watched the, the video, the little video where he introduces it, it is kind of dramatic, but one thing to keep in mind is that this is for a very niche market. You know, there are only so many people right now who have uh, fancy granite roofs and own their own houses, so uh, this is going to be a limited solution for a limited number of people. But that said, those people in those houses probably do consume a lot of energy, so switching that off of the grid could have a dramatic impact. Uh, we'll be curious to see how the tech works out, how the marketing works out. Since it's a major solar story, we will definitely report on it as it develops. Let's get into some of our holidays and happenings. There are always things going on here in Carbondale in Southern Illinois. We're always happy to talk about them on the radio. If you have any to send our way, you can email them to us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. There's also a community cal- calendar on wdbx.org where you can post your happenings. We usually draw on a little bit of both and a little bit of what else we hear on the community. So... First happening is Donations for Standing Rock, now through November 22nd. Southern Illinois Stands with Standing Rock is currently holding a donation drive. Anyone who can donate supplies to the resistance camps may drop off their goods during open hours of the Gaia House and the Center for (laughs) Subsistence Research, as well as at their booths at the local farmers' markets on Saturdays. The resistance camps are gearing up for the winter. For more information, you can find them on Facebook. So IL stands with Standing Rock. Speaking of which, also going on this Saturday, the monthly vigil for peace and justice. This is going on Saturday at noon at the Town Square Pavilion. The Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois, Fellowship of Reconciliations, monthly vigil for peace and justice. Scheduled for Saturday at noon, the corner of Illinois and Maine in Carbondale. This vigil will have a justice theme of Stand with Standing Rock and Mississippi Stand, no Dakota Access Pipeline. The noon vigil will be followed by a rally updating the community on the current situation with this campaign. Supplies and donations for the Standing Rock and Mississippi Stand resistance camps will be collected at the vigil. The Peace Coalition will be joined by co-sponsors Southern Illinois Stands with Standing Rock and Southern Illinoisans Against Fracturing Our Environment. The Dakota Access Pipeline is a 3.8 billion, 1,100-mile fracked oil pipeline under construction from the Bakken Shale Fields of North Dakota to Pakota, Illinois, crossing or threatening to cross the Lakota Treaty Territory 
the Missouri and Mississippi rivers and impacting many sacred indigenous sites. So we've talked about that story before. It's still an ongoing story. The, there basically are still legal efforts to contest it, but in the meantime, the construction efforts are accelerating because they're trying to beat the legal efforts. So there are large numbers of people still on the ground having their peaceful demonstrations, trying to slow down the process and buy time for the courts to end it. Or for, you know, politicians to step in and end it. There are many, many aspects of the government that could do something about this that currently are not. But with all of the people gathering out there, hopefully that will change. Also coming up, we have Green Earth's Fall Social. It's coming up on Saturday at 2 p.m. at 1125 East Park Street. To celebrate you, our generous volunteers and supporters, this is an opportunity to learn what Green Earth has been up to, visit with other volunteers and supporters, enjoy light snacks and refreshments. There will be a special presentation at 3 p.m., a guided hike offered at 3.30 p.m. RSVPs are appreciated but not required. For more information, you can call 618 618- Two zero one three seven seven four, or email director at greenearthinc.org. There is a new location, the Township Fire Station at eleven twenty five East Park Street, that's adjacent to the Brush Hill Preserve, and they ask you to park in the Brush Hill Preserve parking lot. So Green Earth is a wonderful program that maintains these green spaces right around Carbondale here. So it sounds like a fun opportunity for a fall social. That's Saturday, 2 p.m. Also coming up this weekend, we have the Labyrinth Walk. It's coming up on Sunday at 7.30 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. The next monthly community walking meditation will be held on Sunday, November 6th, from 7.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park, north of Guy House at 913 South Illinois Avenue in Carbondale. Many Labyrinth users describe feelings of peace, oneness with others, and relaxation after their walk. If you have not yet walked a labyrinth, guides will be available to assist you and answer your questions. The community labyrinth walk will be followed by coffee at neighboring Harbaugh's Cafe. And it's more than just coffee there. There's, I've heard there are delicious breakfast options as well. Public is invited to the monthly labyrinth walks, and they're held on the first Sundays of each month from 7.30 to 8 at the Labyrinth Peace Park. The Buckminster Fuller Dome-Covered Labyrinth and Park is always open for meditation and recreation. For more information, you can go to labyrinthpeacepark.org. Now, actually, I haven't made it out to the Sunday ones yet, but I do occasionally walk the labyrinth. I feel like I may be a little overdue for a walk. It's a wonderful way to meditate and reflect on life and just relax. People walk it for different reasons, but it's a wonderful community space. Also coming up in other happenings, we have 13, the documentary. This will be showing on Wednesday, November 9th at 7 p.m. and on Wednesday, November 16th at 7 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. The Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship's Racial Justice Group will be presenting the documentary 13th from director Eva DuVernay in two parts on Wednesday, November 9th and 16th from 7 p.m. to 8.30 in the CUF Education Wing. 
In this film, the American prison industrial complex is laid bare as a machine designed for the suppression of an inconvenient populace, the black male. All are welcome to join in viewing and discussion of this most egregious situation in our country. For more information, contact Linda Linson at linlinson at att.net or 561-346-0509. And it's a very important topic. I'm glad to see a local documentary about that. There have been several local events actually related to the uh, prison industrial complex, but it still exists. So as long as it still exists, we're still going to continue shining the light on it here in Carbondale and beyond. In other happenings, we have the catfish, carp, water quality, and other challenges. Catfish and carp and water quality, oh my. This presentation will be on Thursday, November 10th at 7 p.m. at 216 East Monroe Street. It will cover some of the environmental issues with aquatic ecosystems in Illinois and the Midwest in general, including invasive species, endangered species, and other timely topics. Presenter Brooks M. Burr earned a Ph.D. in zoology from the University of Illinois in 1977. He took a position with Southern Illinois University Carbondale and retired in 2010 after 34 years of teaching and research. He has extensive field experience in the New World, built a large collection of preserved fishes that was recently moved to University of Illinois. So this is a free and open to the public event. Um, it's once again, it's at 216 East Monroe on Thursday at 7 p.m. All right, and we've got time for one more happening, one more mark your calendar. It's not coming up immediately, but it's coming up later in November. It's the Indigenous People's Day Feast. It's coming up on Wednesday, November 16th at 6 p.m. at the Guy House. This is a celebration of Indigenous People's Day. It's the Indigenous People's Day Feast. They will be featuring local and indigenous recipes, live music, and a silent art auction to raise funds for the Camp of the Sacred Stones and the efforts to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline from crossing Standing Rock Sioux lands, waters, and sacred sites. Tickets for the event will be $10 per person, can be purchased at the Saturday Carbonale Farmer's Market stands, or at the Guy House. There are only 50 tickets available, uh, so for more information, you can, you can check out the tables or contact Guy House. Well, this has once again been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. I hope you've learned as much and enjoyed as much, at least as I have. I'm glad to be able to present this to you here on WDBX. And or we'll be back sometime soon. He will have many, many bits of news to share, I'm sure, from his solar adventures. In the meantime, it's starting to get cool out there. It's almost starting to feel like fall. It kind of felt like maybe early October weather outside today. Um, so we're catching up. We're about a month behind now. But so be sure you bundle up if you need to. It's nice and sunny, though. Hope you enjoy the weather. And we will see you here next week on the radio.